0: Hi, I'm Mark Kent and I'm Jacob Pusey and you're listening to the Art and Science of Running podcast. If you climb the
1: new sea Thanks again for listening to this episode of the art and science of running podcast. Malk and I would like to invite you to join us this spring at the peak run performance, Rocky mountain running retreat from April 30th to May 3rd. That's four days with other runners from around the world running in a beautiful setting and discussing all things running. In addition to that, Malk will be performing gait assessments, uh, throughout the weekend and will provide you some feedback about your gait Each participant will have the opportunity to wear some of the wearable technologies that Malk has developed and that we've discussed on this show. And with that, he'll be able to provide you with some feedback about some things that you may want to change or adjust or things you wanna be aware of to address in training. We'll certainly discuss training, strength training, injury prevention, nutrition, and anything else that you, Uh, have questions about throughout the weekend as it relates to running. This will be based at a lodge in the Rocky Mountains. The lodge has some lodging options for camp participants and those are quite inexpensive relative to other um, settings. Um, You don't have to stay at the lodge. You can stay somewhere in town. Uh, There are plenty of hotels and condos and, and other places that you could stay but um there will be a limited number of people that will be able to stay in the cabin um and this is an opportunity to either bring some a partner or or a training group out and and enjoy the trails together um, stay together but it's also an opportunity to meet other people from around the world this is only for adults it is co-ed but it's it's for runners of all ambitions and abilities, Um, whether you're a beginner or you're an Olympian. uh, If you've got an open mind and you want to run in a beautiful place with other like-minded people, this is for you. Uh, We welcome you. For listening to this podcast, we want to offer you 10% off. So if you use discount code ASR10, that's ASR10, you can um, get 10% off your registration of this retreat. It will fill up. We want to keep the numbers small so that we can give the attention to each participant um, that signs up. So we hope to see you this spring at the Peak Run Performance Rocky Mountain Running Retreat. Okay,
0: hi there and welcome again back to the uh, Art and Science of Running podcast with myself and Jacob and we are now into episode 19 and uh, if you were listening to the previous episodes you would have heard um, some uh, discussion with Ben Onig around um, uh, shoe design and development and biomechanics, and in the last episode, we were really fortunate to have uh, Matt Fitzgerald, uh, who's just a prolific uh, author, and has written on a number of different subjects. Um, and we were able to get into some um, some really good, uh, insightful discussion with him around um, his latest book and what it's all about, and this idea of like elite training groups and how they function and um, what makes them work and uh, and what it's like. Uh, for someone like him to drop into the group, and then, uh, and, and it was a great, it was a great positive story because he actually got his marathon PR in uh, in Chicago, uh, you know, on the back of that uh, that stint. So uh, four decades into
1: running. So yes. I mean, this is a guy who is an expert runner and knows the sport and has been coaching for decades, and. And even after decades, over a decade, I think it was thirteen years between his last PR, and he had kind of given up, saying, you know, maybe that was my best. Yeah. And and then he just pulled out all the stops, and he went and trained with one of the elite training groups in the U.S. and and yeah. and popped a, another PR, which is yeah, quite impressive. It is pretty impressive. So that was really cool to listen to, to listen to his insights
0: from that, and we sort of pushed him a little bit to sort of pick out some uh, some key some key bullet points. Um, that people can take on and, and and learn something from those that was awesome and we haven't you know we we're talking about it we haven't had a podcast where it's just been the two of us and without a guest for a long time I can't even remember like um, at least probably eight episodes ago or something so that's what um, we're up to today is we're uh, sat here in Canmore, uh, Jacob's house this time and uh, um, yeah we're basically catching up on, um, on what's been happening and uh, uh, what's happening in the world of running that's relevant to people listening and What's, what we're up to, and uh, um, yeah, just kind of like yeah, it, kind of as we've done in some of those early podcasts, um, uh, you know, get some of the topics that we're seeing and and have some uh, two way conversation around them. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so yeah. So uh, in the world of Jacob, uh, you've been traveling actually, haven't you? You've been in the US.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I was fortunate to to get away for a bit, um, escape the cold. Uh, I have a a little sister who who lives on the island of Oahu <laughs> in Hawaii. Um, her husband is in the military. And so they <laughs> are able to afford housing there because the US military provides it for them. Um, and uh, my dad, who is a, a port manager in, uh, in the United States, um, has an annual meeting every year somewhere in the pacific with the pacific uh port associations and so he's there with port people with his job from around the world particularly with uh port uh ports on the pacific so anyway that's uh he had a meeting there my sister was there um, m- most of my family has some sort of tie to that island my brother and i and actually four of my my dad and three of my siblings and I all attended um at least a year of university on that island as well um so yeah we we have some connections to the place uh, that's where I fell in love with trail running and um and spearfishing and a lot of other things <laughs> uh, whatever it takes to survive uh, when living in poverty um so it was really nice to um to just get back, Uh, that was the first time in in many years since I've seen some of my siblings even. The only unfortunate part uh, is that um, my one brother, who's been a guest on this show, uh, my brother Tommy Rivers Pusey, uh, was running the Houston Marathon that weekend. And-
0: um, and there's a whole story there.
1: Yeah, and it was really, really hard to be that far away. And um, and he, uh, yeah, he, he said he was, he was feeling good. He was leading the train. He said he was like yelling. He was like being a drill sergeant. Like that he, like he was like, it, uh, it was like Braveheart. Like he was like, no one gets off this train. And like just made sure everyone was on pace and they were going to hit the qualifier. And, uh, it was pretty tough to hear him through tears explain that like he was the only one on that group that didn't make it. And, uh, and he was pulling away. Like he was, he was pulling away when he stepped in a pothole and, um, and is on a stationary bike right now um, and, and is uh, pretty bummed, but he's, he's taking it well, but it was tough to like be trying to follow it in really early in the morning there. Like, it, but what was cool was all of us were up at like 3am, Just like watching the feed upload and just following him. And, and then we were getting messages. Um, but it was, it was fun to be with my family. I, I grew up in a big family and it's, it's actually really hard to not be so close to them and, and occasionally very rarely we all get together, and that was that was the most we've been together in a long time. And so, some of my kids got to play with some of their kids, and they'd never even met each other. And I mean, how can you beat a beach yeah. all day? Um, how can you beat uh, kids playing with each other, and you don't have to you don't have to do so much? No, parents. especially with my especially with my parents. My mom is an amazing grandma, and uh, and my dad's love language is food. So we had. Lots of acai and lots of poke and the kids were just loving it. And, uh, so, uh, it, it, also happened to be the same weekend as the Hurt 100. And so that's a race that I am interested in. It's an iconic, uh, ultra r- running event, which is, uh, located, or at least the start finish area is very near Honolulu or so it wasn't that hard to get to, um, which is just odd. Like I, I literally lived on that Island for almost three years and, and had almost nothing to do with what happened on the other side of the island. Cause I didn't have a car and I was just a poor college student. So it wasn't like I was yeah. on Waikiki on every weekend, you know, I was <laughs> my brother and I were spearing fish and collecting fruit uh, foraging so that we, <laughs> we could run the next day kind of thing. So anyway, it was, it was really fun to um, actually bump into some, some Canadians, some people that uh, oh, yeah. that have done the Selkirks run that we've mentioned on here and stuff. So uh, it, it's cool how, how tight knit the running community can be um, even even in what is seemingly another world, like bumping into people that we've, that we weren't expecting to bump into. So, and, and then when people knew, found out I was there, like one of my college rivals who I hated running against, his name's Todd Iacovelli, but one of the most talented and and nicest guys I've ever met. But, but um, he ran for the rival university on, on that Island, uh, Hawaii Pacific university after running at the university of Michigan. And, uh, and he saw, I was there and was wanting to connect and just the the fact that that exists that there can be friendly rivalries decades later and just hey let's let's connect i i love that about our sport that's sweet yeah really cool yeah 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 yeah. Busy time, huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has been busy. Um, and it, I, I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain even for the red eye with the little kids, um, uh, the red eye flight on the way back and they didn't necessarily love that flight. And I don't know that anyone else on the plane did either, but, <laughs> but we made it. And, uh, and it, it's hard to be being with your family in a beautiful, warm place. So and
0: whereabouts are you out with your running? Cause like, uh, I know in the past you and Amy have swapped over and, um, and, you know, you've each had a goal and, um, and, and time to train for stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you already have a 2020 plan in place or?
1: Yeah. Uh, there are a couple plans kind of milling about. Um, I kind of like my brother, my brother mentioned when he was on the show, like what he likes to do is kind of try and just get fit and then figure out what, what the next goalpost will be. Uh, um, I will more than likely do the, the 50 K at the Calgary marathon, which, yeah. um, I haven't even looked yet, but it, it has been the Canadian 50K Road Championships. Yep. Um, that would be my fifth year running it, and I would try and win it for the fifth year. Um, yeah, yep. um, so that's that's a nice run for me to do because it, it's kind of once things thaw out. It's at the end of May. and yeah. I, um, I have tentatively been invited to run the Boston Marathon, uh, and I have a number of athletes who are running the Boston Marathon i'm gonna to have to dig a little bit deeper to see if that's gonna happen um you know yeah. it's it's still sub-zero here and i'm doing my best to you know <laughs> bundle up and get out the door and um you know we walked past the treadmills in the garage on the on the way in here um but uh we'll see i that 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 wasn't on my radar it, it's something i would absolutely love to do and, and i'd love to do it even more if, if my brother's healthy and able to do it as well and we can do that again Uh, And then we're talking uh, possibly another treadmill challenge at the end of the year at the running event. That's still very tentatively in the works, but um, my brother and I are considering potentially going head to head, like maybe having two treadmills facing one another and both trying to break um, the 50 mile world record that I set a few years ago at the running event. Um, This year it will be in, uh, in Austin, Texas, rather than Orlando. Oh, yeah. And uh, if we do that, we'd be able to show off the latest shoe technologies that our mm-hmm. respective brands are creating. And um, and one of our friends, Mario Mendoza, just broke the broke Mike Wardian's fifty k treadmill world record. Right. So we might try and go after that en route to a fifty mile world so record. So that'd be kind yeah. of fun to. It's
0: to always do. so much better as well because you're gonna train in parallel. Yeah. Swap some notes. Push each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: It really. Um. I, there's a Chris McDougall quote that says, um, something along the lines of, "We, we don't, we don't run to beat each other. We we run to be together, and that's that's really why we do what we do. Like we mm-hmm. every chance we get to be together, we relish that, and um, it so happens that it it's just uh, financially and professionally. And familially just more advantageous to, to try and coordinate. It's it's just easier to coordinate at a race than it is to try and coordinate each of our family's schedules of us apart from our other already busy work-related um, things. Yeah. So, yeah, if we can sort that out, that would be great. Um, as far as Amy goes, um, she has had um, some health issues uh, over the last couple of months, years, um, and, you know, she runs when she feels like running and she does other things that bring fulfillment. She's doing some skiing. Um, she's getting out with our, our kids to do some running. Um, she, uh, gets on the bike from time to time. Uh, I don't want her to feel any pressure from me. I want her to feel 100% supported by me, but I, I didn't get into the relationship with her because of her running accolades. I mean, she has she has more than I will ever have. She's a very accomplished runner. But that kind of stuff doesn't matter to her or to me, other than just making sure that she's healthy and I'm healthy and she feels supported and I feel supported. Mm. So since we got together and since our more recent uh, children's births, um, both of us have significantly uh, decreased the amount that we race, um, I mean, I, I used to be like a lot of other people in race once a month at least. And yeah. now it's two to three times a year kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's fine. Like that's just, that's what currently works for our family. There, there may be more down the road. There may be fewer down the road, but that's, that's kind of what we're looking yeah. at right now, but that's also why I'm, I'm not totally committing. These are just sort of yeah. Yeah. ideas out there. Um, yeah. How about you? There's a lot been going on, uh, professionally and, and with your family and yeah, everything yeah, yeah. else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess, well, we're going to take the podcast international. That's the news, right? Like we, yeah. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make it international. Um, yeah. Uh, what we've got now, like, oh geez, like three weeks left. Um, so three weeks I, uh, moved to the UK, have a, have some work stuff going on there and, um, uh, Take take the opportunity on a personal level to um, to connect back to family, but also uh, there's there's an opportunity as well in terms of um, in terms of running side, like uh, to expand things a little bit. So yeah, we can we we can uh, expand the podcast and go like multi continent, and uh, and then obviously the the stuff that I do with uh, gate analysis uh, can expand as well. Um, there's definitely been there's been people in the last six months or so who have uh, been really interested in the gate analysis stuff in Europe and it's just not been uh, particularly easy or, or efficient to, to service that need and, and that that's mostly well, partly in uh, sending the technology that way that people can buy it and receive it but it's also the, the service of gate analysis as well so um, yeah it's going to be um, it's going to be a big move because I'm not actually sure how long I'm going for <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, uh, it doesn't have like a fixed uh, end date. So, um, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but it's going to be really cool to, I, I haven't lived in the UK for about 12 years. So it it'd be really cool to kind of connect back in and see, and see where running is in the UK. And, um, one of the things I'm really looking forward to actually with, with our podcast and, and the material that we create is to, is to maybe for, because sometimes in, in Atlantic, it can be like, there's a kind of a big barrier, a big wall. And, mm-hmm. um, some things are broken through the wall, like UTMB, for example, is broken through the wall, right? Yeah. And, um, and people are like, oh, wow, yeah, I want to go and do that race in, in America, even though it's actually in France, right? Or Italy. And, um, and then a few other things, if you're into triathlon, like the Norsemen triathlon and stuff, you know, has broken through, or people might watch the London Marathon or something like that, or Berlin. But mostly, uh, 99% of stuff does not break through, and mm-hmm. it kind of stays in Europe, and people in North America don't hear about it and don't know necessarily what's going on. So one of the things that I'm really excited about like as we go forward in the next few months is is uh is is uh, you know uh, bringing some of that information to uh, an audience on both sides of the water so um you know there'll be names that people in canada america have never heard before but they might be like really interesting prominent people so um uh that part of it i'm quite i'm quite excited about in fact um I've already been given like some names, like "Hey Mark, you've got to go and see this person." When you're in the UK, you're like in the like straight off, like go and see this person because you're connected you to this person. I'm like, okay, cool, sweet. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, that'll be cool. And, and then um, uh, one, of, one of the first kind of hits will be to go to London Marathon in uh, April and um, see if I can collect some data there, but also connect to some key people. And, um, but excited obviously, because it's gonna it's gonna be Bekaliyev against Kipchoge, like head to head. Um,
1: well, and that's the real question: Are you are you moving back to the UK for work, or is it just so that you get a better seat well, at the London Marathon? Once yeah. once they announced that both Kipchoge and Mikaela were going to be there, yeah. after Mikaela almost <laughs> almost bested his mark, yeah, uh, yeah, right. you you just bought your ticket, one way well, ticket back to London. Right?
0: Well, yeah. Um, now I have to say, like first and foremost, you know, and um, this is kind of getting divergent off topic a little bit, but um, you know, I've lived in uh, in this part of the world in the Canadian Rockies kind of general area for about eight, eight years now. And, uh, everyone's been fantastic. It's been, um, it's been extremely easy to, uh, to drop in, uh, get established and, um, form a network and, and, and meet good people. And, uh, you know, can't think of a bad thing where really, to say like in eight years, um, which is pretty rare, you know, like for places around the world. And so, uh, um, there's no question about like, you know, um, thinking of this place as home and, um, but, but I'm really excited about this uh, opportunity because um, on so many levels, like to go to Europe and um, take some of the knowledge to Europe and meet some new people in Europe, take some of the technology and the service to Europe as well. So, um, and, and I feel like I've been out of Europe long enough to get out, out of touch with what's going on there, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's, that's going to be really, really cool um, to do that. And then contrast, contrast really, you know, like having worked with some elite runners in North America and Ke- in East Africa and, and then... See what's going on in, in, in Europe and, um, and in Britain too, and uh, yeah, the the, the London Marathon is going to be pretty cool. Though I can't wait. I haven't actually been to the London Marathon since I actually ran the London Marathon, which was like when I was eighteen. Wow! <laughs> never been back actually physically to see the race. I've coached people for it and like you know collected data from it, but never actually physically been there since. Um,
1: yeah, you have a couple athletes running it um, for, for, from. <laughs> I think one from Canada and one from Australia. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, So yeah, um, it's going to be an interesting dynamic, and
0: you know we can spin off in, in, in future times about it. But the um, uh, Olympics obviously is coming up. I think the Olympic marathon is eighth or 9th of August. I can't remember one of those two dates. And um, and Kipchoge will run an Olympic marathon. That's been confirmed. Um, and there's no reason why Bekele wouldn't want to run. Um, he was he was kind of out. He was partly through his own <laughs> his own uh, performances, but also politics as well did not make a previous uh, olympic team in the marathon so um if he if he proves himself and runs a good time in, in london then he's like pr- top spot obviously to to be an ethiopian uh, runner in, in the olympics too and why would he not want to challenge for an olympic uh, gold medal of course so
1: um yeah london could be a precursor showdown potentially to uh to, to the august olympics and that would be a really good olympic marathon it, it always yeah. it hasn't always been a hotly contested event because really? oftentimes the best in the world don't even represent yeah. their country like it's yeah. it's rare that someone like a kipchoge chooses to do the olympics or even make it a priority when he could be running a london or a boston or a berlin or with a much bigger um just appearance fee than yeah. he than he will get for being an Olympian, yeah. um, even winning yeah. Olympic gold, absolutely,
0: so. absolutely, and I think, um, I, well, I think Pacini's always got a lot to prove <laughs> because it's, because he has such up and down results all the time. But um, uh, in the last Olympics, Kipchoge, you know, you would have been crazy to bet against him and bet on anyone else. He was clearly he was he was going to be the winner, really, unless something crazy happens. And then you're right in previous Olympic marathons that we've all watched on TV, um, London and, and before. Um, it wasn't it wasn't always the most competitive field and you were like well what this person's missing or that person's missing um and uh and, and everybody wants to get to be challenged like <laughs> no one wants it to be a procession right for the 42k so everyone's kind of now i think willing or will be willing on bikini to to challenge and to and to go to the olympics and also make a challenge there too and and it if both if i both of course, of course if both athletes are like on on form and, and the health is it's, it's going to be one of the one of the coolest things to watch. Um, yeah, super, it'd be super cool. Uh, but I'm also thinking about UTMB as well. I've never actually been to that race, um, which is shocking. But um,
1: Yeah, you yeah, used to live there. I used to live in Chamonix. <laughs> this is like crazy. So in
0: 2002, 2003, I lived in Chamonix and, um, and lived. <laughs> here's, here's the funny thing about it, because I thought to myself, like, how is it that I never, ever saw this UTMB race when I lived there? But then when you actually go back to the records, it actually started in the summer that I left. Oh well, wow. I can't remember. It was like <laughs> two thousand two or two thousand three anyway, okay it, it started basically as, as as I left town, so mm-hmm. I, that's why I never saw it. Um, so yeah, thinking about that as well, like potentially going there and taking that opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, such a, a, an iconic race, and then you've got all the different races, so you you can, you can catch quite a lot in, in one week. So um, um, I have absolutely no idea how affordable. I should say like affordable accommodation will be will be found, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that be that would be sweet. You know, everyone talks about it, and, and that'd be nice. Maybe see some data from it sometimes, but yeah, it's different to go there and, uh, and feel the atmosphere and feel the vibe and and really um, see the magnitude of what's going on and, and this, this, the scale of the course and stuff like that. So yeah, that would be um, that would be cool. So that that's gonna yeah, we're gonna take the podcast uh, international, and uh, hopefully that would also with the hosting of guests as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can have some guests coming from from Europe, and uh, and really, uh, yeah, really switch it up a little bit. I've already got some ideas in my head. Actually, with some people. I'm like, oh yeah, I'd really like to get this guy in the Netherlands. I really like to get like this guy who's in like <laughs> Denmark and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and um, that's that's a point that I'd like to address um, about the diversity of our guests. Um, you know, because of social media, we do have probably greater accessibility to, to people, but often it requires still kind of having at least some uh, familiarity with, with people. Um, but it also actually requires having similar schedules. And yeah. and here's something that I, um, I, I want to be absolutely transparent about. Um, Malk and I have relatively flexible schedules with work and yet, it's not our work schedules that are challenging. Um, it's that we also, um, have young kids and we share in the role of parenting and, um, with our partners who, um, are also professionals. Um, and so we're, we're trying to balance being the partners and parents that we want to be to our children, um, of all ages, while also, um, balancing, um, our efforts to, to be as professional and as accessible as possible during quote unquote regular work hours. Um, and, and to be completely honest, some of the people we have reached out to (laughs) haven't been available. And that's not to say that we aren't grateful to those who have been available and, and that they were second tier or anything like that. By no means was that the case, but, um, it's an interesting dynamic and, um, and some of the gendered pieces of who our guests have been, we've had uh, a number of males and not yes, as many females. <laughs> uh, it's not it's not that we are trying to exclude um, women from the show. Um, we're not trying to be just a couple of bros that are sitting down, <laughs> um, it, chatting about running. Um, even though that's still kind of who we are, but um, we we um, there in in part because of our schedules, we haven't been able to um, coordinate and. All of our schedules with with some of our guests who who may work in different fields or may not have as flexible as schedules as we do or maybe not as flexible just possibly as inflexible as schedules as we do. We both try and uh, fit our work in during the workday so that we can be with our kids and with our spouses outside of the workday, and yet still try and figure out how to c- catch up on all the stuff that we <laughs> we don't do during the workday because we are still sometimes doing the parenting and partnering yeah, piece yeah. during the workday. So um, Uh, that's been both a concern of mine in terms of perception, but it's also been something voiced to me just kind of by different people who are friends of the show. And and I just wanted to be clear that um, that that is a limitation that we have. And, um, you know, some podcasts, there are people that get together at night and they ask, I've been asked, hey, can you, can you, this is the only time we're available. We do it at 8 p.m. Eastern time or something like that after our kids go to bed. Cool. I'm not available at that time because that's when I'm putting my kids to bed, or that's when I'm at, I'm I'm, I'm bathing them, or I'm I'm uh, you know at least part of the preparation or cleanup of dinner and things like that. And so, um, just wanted to make sure people understand that um, we aren't sexist, and uh, and we are trying to you know contribute have a number of voices contribute to this yeah. uh, tapestry of the art and science of of running. So, uh, so and. and, and in part because I know that the perception of, of even science that sometimes science is, is very male heavy or at yeah. least that's the emphasis and um and that's not our intent and so we are working with and and we actually have a couple people that we're we're, we're trying to coordinate schedules on because we really want to get some uh, some people some voices on here that that need to be heard so yeah, yeah yeah
0: absolutely so it's been an interesting time in the world of athletics yeah as well a few events going on um, yeah um, I mean yeah. The most, the most recent and the most uh, uh, obvious thing, um, and it's, it's got mainstream media attention as well. So people are talking about it who aren't even runners. Yeah, um, it's definitely the, uh, the the conclusion to the, or we think it, temporary <laughs> conclusion to the shoe saga.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, well, and, and a number of our guests who we've had, uh, both uh, Alex um, and both Alex's <laughs> and and also Jeff Burns. Um, we we spoke with with each of them about the the science and the development and the innovation and but also the potential regulation of uh of the vapor flies or iterations of the nike whatever percent we uh, i'm sorry we also talked to uh, max paquette yes. as well about uh them and potential injury risk and and other things naturally in each of those episodes that was one of the pieces we could have easily spoken with matt fitzgerald recently about it as well we just chose not to because it's somewhat not resolved but mm. we don't want to uh, beat a dead horse either and so uh, so we that was a common thread between many of our interviews, but but there's plenty of other good stuff on there. If you haven't listened to each of them, they they all have plenty to contribute. But um, one of the things that we thought might happen but weren't sure uh, was that there was a, a regulation of stack height, which was something that Jeff Burns proposed um, months ago, um, and we discussed that. Uh, but in some ways, it it essentially doesn't disqualify anything that was record eligible anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. the, the Ennus 159 wasn't, uh, it didn't follow the rules to be record eligible because it was a time trial and because there were pacers and all the rest. So the alpha flies or what they're being called as the mm-hmm. alpha flies, which have been purported to have up to three carbon plates in them and have a higher stack height than 40 uh, millimeters. That doesn't matter because that race, that, that, that record is just it's uh it it was what it was it was an exhibition it wasn't record eligible whereas everything else including the shoes that were worn by all the pacers in that event um that's all you know that's all good so the 2016 olympic marathon the 2016 u.s olympic trials um bekele's record run um the 15k world record the 10k road world record the women's road marathon record um there have been records falling um all over the place from from 10k and above um yeah but so far this it doesn't look as though this this current restriction is going to they're not going to revoke um or or rewrite the record books in terms of saying or even putting an asterisk next to them absolutely yeah Yeah. i mean i think it was um yeah it was a sort sort of um, I call it, <laughs> yeah, I call it the path of
0: least resistance mm-hmm. that the uh, the RWF took. Um, yeah, absolutely did not want to get into clearly a huge amount of work and, and bureaucracy. Um, so the easiest, pretty much the easiest move really was to make sure the AlphaFly could not get into competition.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, and for the number of months that the, uh, well, I mean originally the Next Percent shoe, for example, yeah, that was released kind of like end of May, early June last year. So it had basically been selling and been bought by people for a good seven, eight months.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was just clear that the oh, f. there was just no way when, when a shoe sold that many pairs around the mm-hmm. world, you,
1: you just can't go back and start. We uh, can't disadvantage you can't, people either. You yeah. can't say, hey, your local <laughs> yeah. Joe Schmo, you know, can, can buy these. Right. At his local running yeah. store, but but the elites have to run barefoot. Like,
0: yes, you know. yes. And then someone who hasn't bought a pair, a pair yet doesn't get the chance to wear them. Mm-hmm. Or um, or how are you going reg- to regulate people just selling them off on e- on eBay, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, they they there was only really one way they could go without pissing a lot of people off or um, or causing a lot of bureaucracy, and that was to set the stack height just above <laughs> what they believed the uh, the current next percent shoe was set at. So. Yeah. Um, and I guess, and then they can spin it. Of course, that they can say, "Well, here, um, this is this is this is um, open to all manufacturers. Um, here's here's the rules for you for all manufacturers. You know, build your shoes up to 40, 40 mil, and yeah. um, and, and and try and chase Nike. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, even I've noticed just in the last week that that the that now there is even more news coming out of this manufacturer doing this, this manufacturer doing that yeah. just, just since the ruling. So, um,
1: yeah. Well, and, and that has had, some brands ha, are in a, they most brands are still at a disadvantage in part because Nike kind of had the jump both financially, but also just technologically. They, uh, they, they had the science to back up the, um, the innovation, Yeah. but the current ruling still favors Nike in that, um, They've said that that after April, I believe um, yes. prototypes can no longer be worn in competition. Yeah, right. So yeah. my understanding, if I read it correctly, is that mm-hmm. is that people who are training and or racing in prototypes can still wear them at say the U.S. Olympic Trials yes. or possibly the Boston Marathon or the London Marathon. And
0: I thought that was really strategic mm-hmm. because they know. That it's two of the biggest marathons in the world, London and Boston in April. It's very,
1: very clear that they, yeah. they made that date for that reason, yeah. So they can wear the prototypes, I think, up through April. And yet, um, I think after that, shoes have to be available for up to four months prior to competition. So so that means that any brand that is currently only in the prototype phase Needs to somehow, at least, in order to follow the rules, needs to. I don't know what their quota will be as far as making it publicly available. If whether that's thousands of pairs, hundreds of thousands of pairs, a handful of pairs, whatever, like a small release um, at a really high price, whatever that might be. But but mm-hmm. they do have to apparently be made available to the public um, in order to be eligible for. Um, at least these world athletics types of competitions, which are um, the marathon majors and or uh, the Olympics or a world championship world type. Um, again, that's only for the elites. That doesn't... Yeah. So, so, so some someone who works at a shoe company or has a family member who's a shoe company or is a shoe tester, just a random shoe tester, they can wear them. Right, yeah, yeah. But they're not trying to win money and or sure. uh, win a medal or recognition. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it kind of spins both ways. Because as a manufacturer, like developing a
0: shoe, ultimately you're going to sell 99.9% of your shoes to um, non-elites. to, to Absolutely, out there. yeah. So then the value of the data from the non-elites is, is high in that respect. And so being able to just freely go to the the mass start and uh, have shoes on whoever you want, whatever you want, is um, has a positive spin. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, there's the other side of it, which is um, when elites do have... A, a new shoe or something mm-hmm. interesting on their feet, mm-hmm. you get a huge amount of publicity and potential marketing. For Absolutely, yeah. So it's like, um, even if it doesn't have a big logo on it, that right. almost
1: adds greater yeah. m- mystique to and, it. And that's what we
0: seen with Vaporfly. Is yeah, you know, like no one's running Kipchoge pace, but the fact that he's wearing it and doing great things in it, average runner on the streets, like, uh yeah, 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 I'm interested, I'm interested. But you're right, like it's going to give the it's going to give some manufacturers a really compressed
1: timeline if they want to collect data within races. Yeah. On a prototype, Yeah. Even without collecting data, they're just not even going to be able to use a, a pro, anything in the prototype phase, type phase, in a race type setting. Um, and they're only going to be able to use whatever their prototype techn- their current prototype technology. It, their their best athletes will only be able to use that technology if that same shoe is if they ch- if they have the the means to invest enough to bring that shoe to production mm. uh, in mass like at, at a larger scale yeah, yeah and that again that disadvantages some of the smaller brands uh there are other brands that are still big names um brooks has been pushing their their What's equivalent the on yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- 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 that's been in a lot of the magazines and, and on uh I, i've been seeing a lot of ads hearing a lot from their athletes so they're pushing that pretty hard um i know Saucony mm-hmm. has a uh, has a race in or has a horse in the race uh, so to speak um but there's been some a lot of question about that as well because mm-hmm. you know jared ward one of their more prominent athletes yep. um has been running in those shoes and, and testing them and things like that um he he'd be fun to have on the show he's a, he's yeah, a statistician right. a professor a statistics <laughs> professor and and i think he did his thesis on pacing a marathon evenly pacing a marathon and then went and they <laughs> split the marathon, qualified for the Olympics, and then qualified for, or, and then placed sixth at his very first Olympics um, right out of college. So, um, he'd be he'd be fun to talk to. But he he runs for Saucony, um, and he's been working with that development. But again, if until those shoes are available to the masses, that shoe may not be available for him to use in competition after the trials. Um, Sarah Hall has been running for Asics. They she yeah. she ran a really fast time at Berlin in some prototypes, mm-hmm. uh, which again. People have said that's great, but until that, it, according to this rule, that's not available to the masses until it is. That's not legal for her to race in either. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It makes me think about
0: London because Nike could go nuts. I mean, they could basically have an Alpha Fly on steroids.
1: They've and, been, they, uh, and he could run in that in London just before the deadline comes in. Yeah and uh well so- i am seeing advertisements right now for the alpha fly so they uh, yeah. they they already know the ruling and yeah. so they're saying hey we got that much hype even though my understanding is even the original 4% the like the original vapor sold the, uh, the, the the were were lost now, actually, year so i don't i don't know on. how the the alpha fly is going to make them any money other than to just disadvantage their competition well of course it gets more com- it gets into the complications of uh of how like
0: marketing gets you uh exposure and gets you things that aren't money but it gets you in other thoughts and yeah 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 definitely for sure yeah but interesting it's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out um yeah pre pre deadline and then post deadline and um and then how people navigate the olympics and what what's in the olympics all that kind of stuff
1: um yeah that's gonna be really interesting yeah yeah yeah
0: Yeah.
1: that brings me to another related topic um and, and I think some of this buzz uh, around shoes and, and some of the buzz that we've... I mean, a lot of our episodes have talked about <laughs> this technology because it is related to the art and the science, the design and and the, the engineering behind it all, um, the aesthetics and the science behind it. Um, and it does impact all of us. Um, but some of that hype has also, I think... Um, led let some people who may not necessarily um come up through the ranks as runners from at least the traditional um track or cross country uh interscholastically and potentially even running at the university level mm-hmm. uh, and then gradually working their way into what m- most amateur runners do which are road races uh, that's not everyone but um one of the concerns that I have as a coach um, that, that we've discussed with some of our guests is about injury prevention. And our, and one of our recent guests, Max Paquette, you know, was pretty clear that there aren't enough studies out there to, mm-hmm. to, to yeah. say that a shoe causes or doesn't cause injury. Yeah. yeah. The only thing he felt confident in saying was about injury was that it seems as though if you vary the footwear that you wear, that, that, Seems to decrease the risk of injury. Yeah. Um, I'm concerned because a, a large number of people seem to think that because a pair of shoes is worn by an elite, mm, yeah. that therefore they should be wearing that same shoe Mm -hmm. but they don't understand that most of the time that elite isn't necessarily wearing that exact same model in training Um, so for example as a high schooler or even as a high school coach when I ran track I didn't do all my training runs in spikes in fact the spikes even if they were the most expensive pair of shoes that I owned Mm -hmm. they might only be worn six or eight in it in six or eight races which were usually less than 5k like a 5k yeah, yeah, yeah. or below and so in terms of total volume in that shoe i would probably put in less than you know 50 miles a yeah. se- or, or 80k a season in that one shoe whereas my trainers i could put in more than that in a week right yeah, um yeah. i don't know if it's that people don't come from that background sure, um sure. or if it's just that it's like well this is what's out there and this is bright and flashy or whatever think, but yeah. but more often than not i'm i'm seeing and hearing and, and it might even be the minimalist thing and the born to run and um, but man I it, it it happens too frequently that I, I yeah. felt like we need to do this we've discussed it at some of the retreats that we've done and some mm-hmm. of the discussions in shoe shops that we've put on yeah. but but there is an absolute difference between a performance shoe mm-hmm. and a and a training shoe yeah. and and some of those have to do with cushioning some of those have to do with support yeah. even as mild yeah. as that support might be some of those might have to do with um, safety or uh, protection um yeah. shoes serve a lot of different purposes and if yeah. and if if th- even a racing shoe for say a, the steeplechase on the track sure, like sure, sure. that will be made for drainage because you're going yeah. to be jumping in in two feet of water yeah, potentially yeah, yeah. uh that's a very different shoe that's paper thin shoe and yeah. meant to be like yeah, yeah. feather light versus mm. a marathon racer yeah. you don't want to wear the same shoe for for those two races even though they're both racing shoes yeah, yeah. and so we you can't just order something because it's the lightest thing or the mm. yeah. um firmest or whatever even if even if your mechanics say you could probably run in a firm shoe mm. or a, a mm-hmm. light shoe that doesn't mm. mean you need to run in the lightest or the firmest or yeah, the yeah or or the most cushioned or or, yeah. or most stable or whatever yeah. yeah i mean like what i'm thinking of in my head as you say that is that um it,
0: there's a lot of confusion and it's this is this is really tif- difficult for the average runner on the street because they, they are exposed to a lot of confusion so um two two ways really like number one there's information confusion so things are changing all the time and because of social media and people often come up with an idea they think is reinventing the wheel and then it's pushed on sh- social media and then the magazines pick up on it and they push it and then the, the average runner on the street thinks that this is the new big thing right and they need to follow this and there's some very credible sources, I, magazines, where it comes from, and uh, and it just adds to the confusion because, like, one year there were, the people were told, like, you know, minimalism and um, and uh, barefoot type running shoes or whatever, and then it's maximal, and then it's like, um, um, you know, like um, pronations, like a really really bad thing, and you want to avoid that and whatever. A lot of confusion, and um, it, it, you know as well as like like it's impossible to almost navigate the world now in terms of what's what's. Uh, information you should listen to versus you should ignore and then the other confusion that i see a lot especially in the clinic when i talk to people is is confusion on the feeling what the runner is actually feeling and so um and that's why we try and use data that's why we try and use objective methods because it is true on in in some cases it's true that what the runner will feel uh, coming back through the nervous system to the brain and the brain processes is true and you should listen to it and um, pain signals are, some, are things that you know you want to take notice of but there's other, there's also other things as well. There's also you can get quite deep in the weeds of listening to things or feeling like I think there's something there, which actually is who cares? It doesn't matter or it's not important. Or whatever. And so I think there's confusion around feelings as well, and people, people being like, well, what, I sh- what should I should be feeling? Like how should this feel? Like if I like, um, what, what's comfortable? Is comfortable mean like it should be like this or like this? And um, yeah, so I think that I think that's the problem. Like facing facing the runners out there is is that there, there's never been in running for a long time, at least anyway, any black or, like real black and white answers about stuff. It's um, uh, and it gets it gets very very confusing for sure. Um, and if you don't have very much time to evaluate the information coming at you, then it's like you're just going to kind of whimsically sort of have a go at this, have a go at this, have a go at this. Uh, one thing I'd say for sure, like you know. For, for even like East African elite runners. Um, they, they run in like, a, like if, we, if we were to take a benchmark shoe, like like a Nike shoe, like the Vomero for example, which actually is a stability shoe because it actually has some medial posting and it. It actually has um, some small element of uh, control of pronation. Uh, that's a pretty common shoe to see. Um, and this is amongst the, amongst the people that choose their shoes, by the way, not the people that just wear anything. And uh, that's quite a common shoe for the long runs. Um, that or the Pegasus. Pretty common shoes, and even um, though they could, even though they could, they could wear Vaporflies every single day and just be like s- blistering runs.
1: Yeah, Nike is yeah. funding their uh-huh. yeah. their team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or and, or even if they had secondhand ones, they <laughs> yeah. they could get a hold of yeah of a different model, but Absolutely. they are choosing to wear yeah. a more robust model for yes, or or they're varying based on the demands of a particular. Yeah run and the goals of that that run yeah 100
0: percent. and then i mean one of the things that you know we're probably both thinking here and i've seen it a lot certainly um you know is something like the ultra escalant tissue that 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 shoe keeps coming up in in my work it it comes up quite a lot and um and yeah it's uh (laughs) you you, you have to it'd be easy just to put that shoe on quite a lot and maybe run faster workouts or feel like you're lighter on your feet or um um or maybe if you're in a minimalist mindset, thinking that you're doing something good because you've got pretty much a zero-drop shoe, minimalist, whatever, blah, blah blah. It's not doing very much. Um, but we've seen a lot of in, we've seen a lot of injuries or a lot of like uh, repetitive soreness in muscles and aches and pains and things coming from wearing that shoe in workouts where probably that's not the right shoe.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and we we could go through other brands as well and 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 do draw analogies, but. Um, uh, I, I, I do agree with um, what Max said, which is that a variety, of course, is always good. Variety of terrain, variety of workout types, right issues, um, but fit for purpose, really. Like what, yeah? What are you trying to do? Like one, if I was just going to quote an example really quickly, um, you know, I, I I deal with people who, um, in parallel with yourself, but I'm more on the injury prevention side. You know, people who go and do long runs, you know, 20k to up to 30k long runs on a Saturday, Sunday, whatever, and um, when you're, when you're putting that many foot strikes, you know, 50,000, 60,000 foot strikes, um, and you've got the kind of form breakdown happening in the last 30 minutes because you're getting tired as well, or, or when you run up a steep hill or something like that, um, if you've got a real lightweight shoe on, it's doing absolutely nothing at all. You know, in a lab, you might be kind of a moderate pronator um, with no particular standout issue. But when you're on a two and a, half K, two and a half hour run and you're really taxed, especially near the end, things change a little bit. Your form starts breaking down. Um, and so if you're wearing a real lightweight shoe, that might be absolutely fine in the first like hour, but it might not in the last, <laughs> in the last half an hour. And you have to really have a shoe. If you're going to be smart, you have to have a shoe that deals with that last half an hour when the form breaks down. Yeah. Um, so, and I've seen that like just, uh, even recently in the last two weeks mm-hmm. and
1: just switching up people's footwear for that reason. Like,
0: well, that, you know,
1: that's, that's a discussion I've had with, uh, the designers at, at different companies, um. there is and and i think that's part of why people have gravitated toward the vaporfly um or other brands um when when i ran for a different company um so i i ran for brooks right out of college in in college my my team was sponsored by both adidas and nike depending on (laughs) what what the what brand wanted to sponsor our basketball program basically is how it worked. So we got whatever the basketball team got just in the running form version. So I've, I've run in pretty much every brand out there and try to understand what's, what's available. But right out of college when I was um, training for the trials and trying to get competitive on the road, I was running for Brooks. And they had two pretty standard marathon racers. One of them, they didn't make my size. They only made up to a size 13, but I still probably wouldn't have worn it because it was too minimal uh, for me. And the other was too stable. They did make my size, but it was just like super rigid. And what I wanted was a shoe that in that last 10K, in that last 30 minutes or whatever of the marathon, (laughs) post wall, or at least trying to prolong the onset of of the bonk and the wall, I wanted a shoe that gave me a little bit more. Even if it weighed a little bit more, and so I wore a lightweight trainer. I wore the Brooks Launch. This isn't an ad for Brooks or anything like that. But I, I did a lot of my long runs, and I did a, I did, I've run probably my five fastest marathons ever in the Brooks Launch, mm-hmm. a ten-year-old version of the Brooks Launch, a lightweight trainer. But for me and my mechanics, that was what worked for me yeah. um, at that time. Yeah. Uh, I haven't worn a pair of Brooks Launch for a long time. I th- I think they've changed somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care. I'm not trying to promote a certain brand, but but I, I want people to understand that uh, again. Not everyone is built like me. I'm 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 bigger than most people that run as fast as I do. Um, I'm heavy on my feet and things like that. I need more underfoot. But like you mentioned, even with the Escalantes, I I train and I race in the Escalantes a lot, but it. It it seriously I feel um, like I'm being dishonest or disingenuous when people see me in on social media wearing them and then they immediately buy them and say and and they may be bigger than me and and that's a lot of runners too yeah. um, or they uh, or and, and and they want that to be their everyday trainer and that's all they wear they wear it for their long runs for their speed workouts for their easy runs for their trail runs and I wear that shoe a lot um, but. I mix it up with some uh, some more stable shoes, or some mm. more protective shoes, or mm. some some yeah. some more maximal shoes, some more minimal shoes, to give my sh- my feet and the rest of my legs different stimuli as well. Yeah. And that's that's all I'm trying to suggest is that yeah. sure, if you want to add that another shoe to your quiver, by yeah. all means, do it. Mm-hmm. With my athletes who had the means to have a pair of racing spikes or flats and a pair of trainers, yeah. that was cool. And I said, hey, you can bring these and we can do some strides in them once or twice a week. Yeah, right. So that it doesn't screw you up in your race on on saturday or sunday when you're racing in them and you've never run that long on your toes without any heel support so that's an important piece is actually <laughs> prepping the, the feet and the legs and the calves for that yeah. uh, the shins for that um but if you, that's not it, if, if you only have a, a fixed budget which most of us do and, and kids typically have even, even more fixed budget get the trainers or get two pairs of trainers and then wear a lighter pair of trainers for your workouts and your, your races. Um,
0: and of course, all of this, um, if you want to be a purist or an idealist, I should say, of course, on all of this, if you do fantastic strength training like five days a week and you're in, you know, you have absolutely no surgery history from the past and you've never had any major injuries, anatomically physiologically
1: you're fantastic then and you of have course, and you have light dirt road you have right. dirt roads or pine needle trails to yeah. train on with yeah. no rocks or yeah. roots
0: then of course then uh, then this is a different conversation because um then your form probably isn't going to break down really significantly at the end of long runs and or at the end of fast workouts and stuff like that and and of course an idealist can say yeah 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 you don't really need uh you don't really need any help from the shoe at all because you should be able to internally do this and that but that's not the reality the reality is no uh, 99% of runners, or whatever the percentages are not doing five days a week of like really amazing strength training and um, functional training and all this kind of stuff, and or running on perfect surfaces and all this sort of thing. So, um, so, so the, that, that that's not the reality. The reality is you you, um, you have to be smart about this stuff and, um, and 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 give yourself some buffer in the shoe choice that's fit for purpose for that workout. So um, we I've just been talking about the long run. So you have to think about how bad does a long run get it gets at some point probably for like five minutes or near the end it gets quite bad and uh, and you can even feel yourself being wobbly or even kind of waving around on the road a little bit left and right um and you, so you, you're thinking about that time you're not thinking about the time when you're running like like a like a dream you know in the run that's not the bit you want to worry about it's the bit like how bad can it break down okay well i need a shoe that's that's gonna um, uh, work with me and, and guide me a little bit or help me a touch during that period. And so I think that, like you say, it's a fit for purpose shoe for the workout, which is going to be different because the workout is different during the week. Um, and give yourself some buffer that you're not just like on the edge all the time um, uh, in workouts where oof, I could break down and get injured here. Well, why would you want to be on the edge? I mean, in training, why, why would you want to push the envelope like that in training? It doesn't make any sense. But I know that. The, um, some people will defend uh, the, their use of um, uh, very lightweight uh, racer type shoes um, from a minimalist standpoint that they feel they can they can they can sense the ground more mm-hmm. they can en- they, they can engage the big toe into the ground more that kind of stuff you know like blah blah and, and that may be true
1: mm-hmm.
0: it can only be verified through analysis so if it's verified through your thought process that's not really um, <laughs> yeah. you know that's not that's not very objective but um Uh, I would say in in, in half of those cases, it's not actually true. Mm -hmm. The person is biased in their thinking. They think they're feeling something that actually, when you analyze it objectively, it's not actually true. Um, So you have to be aware of what you think is going on Mm -hmm. versus what has been measured to be going on. Well, uh,
1: We just had an instance with someone that we've worked with for quite a while. We're not going to mention any names, but... uh, he had an idea of what was, and this is a smart guy who knows his body and knows numbers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and yet, what he thought was happening with yeah. his body versus what the data was saying, yeah. um, were two different yeah. things. In fact, the exact opposite. Right. Yeah. Um. And yeah. so the data informed, yeah. kind of some cho- some decisions that we're going to make in training to mm-hmm. yeah. to rectify some of those things. Um. Yeah. But even that that idea of feel and sensing the ground and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm all for sensing the ground. Yes. I do, but why would you want to be uncomfortable? Like right. I, it, it's one yeah. thing to to train for the stimulus purpose, but yeah. but for discomfort for discomfort sake, mm-hmm. like why mm-hmm. would you want your shins to be on fire? Yeah. So sure, feel yeah. the ground if it's soft and it's yeah. dirt and it, it, you know. But yeah. but um, yeah, yeah, obviously, if you're training for a road race and things like that, and you want you do need to you know. Temper your body or callous mm. it a bit to get used to that pounding, yeah. um, especially you know mm. if you're if you're going to be running on a on a concrete type course like like the Houston Marathon or something. Mm. Totally get that, and yet at the same time. If the shoes that you're choosing to wear just don't feel right, like some of the racers that are out there, that they're too firm or they're too light or they're too thin, yeah. and it and it literally feels like you know your shins are gonna like explode or your calves are gonna explode or your plantar fascia is gonna explode, wear a different pair of shoes. Like, uh, yeah. I, and I know that's yeah. not that that's not yeah. an easy choice for a sponsored athlete, ironically, because because <laughs> the, they're supposed to wear whatever the flagship racer is. but it shouldn't be that difficult of a choice for your amateur athlete who, you know, they get to choose what they buy. So just buy a shoe. That's going to be like, enjoy the experience and don't, don't force suffering upon yourself. It's already going to be hard enough. But if you're, if you're, if you're clenching your teeth and, and your toes toes with every foot strike, then that's probably not where you want to be. That's, that's just going to send tension up through the rest of your body. hundred percent. hundred percent. And, um, yeah, and it, and and it's just work. Yeah, we can, we can sort of
0: just like pat, sort of draw the line and say it under it and say like yeah, keep the variety going. You know, keep keep the stimulus going, keep changing things up. Don't get don't uh, don't feel like this shoe feels good because I can run fast or I can feel the ground. Therefore, I want to use it in every workout. But the, and, and uh, the other point I'll just quickly just, like jam in as we as we sort of like um, kind of close it out is. That, uh, every now and then I'll have people who come in and they wear the shoes without tying the laces up properly, and they wear like the shoes real baggy style, like as if the shoes going to fall off. And they're like, oh yeah, that's how I like to run. Now that's a completely subjective mental thing, because mm-hmm. I can tell you that mechanically there is no case for You're wearing, scrunching your yeah, toes to no, hold your feet up. There's yeah. no case at all for basically having really slack laces in the shoes. Why would the manufacturer bother making the laces like that? um And so. Again, when you get to things like, uh, for example, like a long run, two hours, two and a half hours, whatever it is, 30K, up and down hills, whatever, outside, uh, there's going to be a time when, when your form breaks down, maybe because you dehydrated temporarily or because you just go through a low patch or you're at the end of the run, whatever it is. Um, again, if you haven't tied shoelaces up properly, um, you're just inviting problems that don't need to be there. So, for instance, um, you know, we're not talking about, like, Really, super tight. We're just talking about having a snug fit with the laces and using the laces properly for their ultimate purpose. Uh, and a classic thing is um, there's always an extra set of eyes or holes at the top of sho- top of shoes um, that when you buy the shoes they're often not laced, And the point is there is there is there is a uh, you can get it on the internet. There is a lacing system where you go through the penultimate lace hole, and then you go th- on the same side through the next hole up, which looks like it's too high up. Mm -hmm. But then in the lacing, you cross back over and actually you tie the lace between the top two holes. Mm -hmm. So you don't choke the ankle, that's not the Mm -hmm. point of it. But what it does is it cinches the upper around the sides of the ankle. And that's particularly important on the medial side on the inside, so that the upper actually does something to help you. Mm -hmm. So that 75% of the run, that doesn't matter. But at times when your form starts to break, and, um, and the muscle control isn't there over the joint movement or joint motion. That's when the upper can help you if you've actually tight- tightened your shoelaces properly, because <laughs> yeah. the upper has some mechanical stiffness in it. Yeah. So often I have to tell people about that. mm mm-hmm. um, And this notion that they feel better when the shoelaces are barely done up and the shoe's like super lax, like they're a skateboarder. It's like that's a notion in your head. That <laughs> that is not a that is not a, a scientific or biomechanical fact. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway. we'll uh, we'll put a link to a video or uh, a blog showing fi- pictures of how to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we uh, are running short on time, um, but we wanted to touch on a couple other things real quickly. Um, we've mentioned in previous episodes just briefly that Malk and I will be. Uh, putting on a retreat Uh, yes that's still the plan even with the the plans for Melk to to move back to the UK Uh, we we will still be offering um, gait analysis we'll be discussing um, all things running one of the unique things about a retreat if people say why a retreat and why not just read your articles or watch your videos and things you will get much of that same content that we try to provide to the masses on our sites um, One of the things that I've found both with this retreat but also even coaching clinics and and things where I've invested both the money to travel but also the time to be there, are the conversations that I have with the other attendees, the relationships that form, but also um even even picking Mal's brain or my brain or um, or the other, um, counselors or, or presenters brings mm-hmm. on the runs or, or in between sessions, that's where you get to ask those questions that you can't usually ask when you're just reading a blog or when you're, um, watching a video. And so that's one of the things that we really want to try and offer. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that we have, we've already rented a space, um, that can be used. It's not the only space to, to stay, but it's, a uh, it's a cabin um that's kind of divided in two so we can have men on one side and women on one side if if you're not coming with a partner there are, are also rooms that you can just block off with a with a partner um however you'd like to do that um but there will be kitchen and and, and a space there as well where that some of those relationships can form um it will be for adults um it should be a lot of fun uh, yeah. people of all ages and abilities and ambitions but um price-wise even if you're traveling internationally um uh our price is about a quarter of what i've seen comparable retreats for in i would say less aesthetically pleasing um, places <laughs> um so um malc is as good as it gets when it comes to uh, gain analysis and his understanding of, of mechanics and things and um, i have i feel like a fair bit of experience as a coach and as an athlete um and uh and we just want to extend that invitation once again we we do have um it's about half full by now so there there will be um a, a few spots available by the time this airs um, but we just want to make that available um to you and just uh share a little bit more information rather than just a little plug so yeah awesome i
0: think it is um just to click, just to round that out context, context basically um it's uh it's really about having a context where um where the ideas pop up and the questions fit within that context um, if somebody sends me a random question on, on email um, I, there is no like physical or environmental context around it it's just a question that just comes in um, and i think that's the big difference when you get people in the same place is that you're immersed in that contextual environment so um so the questions fit where you are at that time and everyone's thinking about those same things at that same time and that's where um that's where the best ideas come from and the best learning comes from and um, if someone throws me a question um, that would just seem very kind of odd by email, it doesn't seem odd at the time because it's like, yeah, I'll just come off a run and i just like this, this, this. And it's like, yeah, cool. And uh, everyone's thinking about the same things. And um, I think that's, that's, that's uh, such a, that's, that's a great value of it. You know? like, um, um, and we all know like, in, in, in communication, we can nuance answers uh, when we're speaking. Uh, when you're writing an email, you can't kind of nuance an answer. All. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can. You're very, You're you not becoming like very mechanical with an answer. Yeah. Um,
1: well, and it's even harder through social media where there are restrictions yeah. on the number of characters or words or things like that, or even through the coaching platforms that we use. That that's yeah. limited. Whereas, yeah. if it's face to face, you. Yeah. there's a lot more that you can understand through mm-hmm. intonation, but also just through that's body right. language and, and yeah, being which, able to pinpoint things. Yeah.
0: Which part ways. of the answer is more literal or not, <laughs> not to be taken more literally, you know, because, yeah. um, cause that's sometimes the case. If I, if I can, if I give somebody an answer in a, in a paragraph on an email, um, it can be read many ways and quite often it'll be read very literally. Whereas what I might be saying is, is, um, that it needs flexibility or uh, of thinking. Um, when you speak to somebody face to face in a, contextual environment they immediately listen to how you say what you say and 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 they understand how literally to take that information at that time so yeah
1: yeah Yeah. so that that will be um end of april early may um, i believe it's april 30th through may 3rd of 2020 in canmore alberta canada so the nearest international airport is calgary it's about an hour away we're between calgary and banff national park uh, will actually be about five miles or eight kilometers from Ban- Banff National Park is where the um, where the cabin will be, where we'll be meeting and things like that, and where we'll be doing some of our runs. Um, one last uh, one last thing is um, we have been asked quite a bit um, about our intro and outro music <laughs> for the show, um, and that's something I I have mentioned that I am very proud of. That's my baby brother. Um, he's not a baby anymore. He has a much uh, better beard than I. Um, but that's my brother, Dalen, um, and uh, he he has that gift. He has a the voice of an angel. But he, he also writes the the music himself and he produces it himself, um, and uh, so with much, um, urging, he's finally uploaded it to iTunes and to Spotify. So you can get that same music and some of the other original music that he's produced, um, on, on Spotify and on iTunes or Apple music. And, um, it is also available on YouTube. It's the song is going for a walk, um, with number four and, uh, and he has some other covers of a lot of other really popular songs, um, that I think, he does quite well at as well. Um, so if you like the music, um, please support my little brother, um, download his, his music, um, on iTunes or Spotify. And then also for this show, um, if you can please rate and review on Apple podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or Google podcasts or wherever you listen to, um, and download, it really does help us. It helps others, um, view it. It helps, um, put it on their radar. Uh, Also, if you can share it on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, whatever your preference is, we'd appreciate that. And we'll be sure to to reshare it if you tag us and um, hopefully we can help each other out with that. We try to spend a lot of time um, to create this content for you. And ideally we'd like to get it out to as many people as possible as a a free resource. So um, thanks again for listening and for supporting the show. We appreciate um, it very much, and we look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, awesome. Cheers. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Art and Science of Running podcast. Malk and I would like to invite you to join us this spring at the Peak Run Performance Rocky Mountain Running Retreat from April 30th to May 3rd. That's four days with other runners from around the world running in a beautiful setting and discussing... All things running. In addition to that, Malk will be performing gait assessments uh, throughout the weekend and will provide you some feedback about your gait. Each participant will have the opportunity to wear some of the wearable technologies that Malk has developed and that we've discussed on this show. And with that, he'll be able to provide you with some feedback about some things that you may want to change or adjust or things you want to be aware of to address in training. We'll certainly discuss training, strength training, injury prevention, nutrition, and anything else that you (laughs) have questions about throughout the weekend as it relates to running. This will be based at a lodge in the Rocky Mountains. The lodge has some lodging options for camp participants, and those are quite inexpensive relative to other um, settings. Um, you don't have to stay at the lodge. You can stay somewhere in town. Uh, there are plenty of hotels and condos and, and other places that you could stay, but um, there will be a limited number of people that will be able to stay in the cabin. Um, and this is an opportunity to either bring some a partner or, or a training group out and, and enjoy the trails together, um, stay together, but it's also an opportunity to meet other people from around the world. This is only for adults. It is co-ed, um, but it's it's for runners of all ambitions and abilities, um, whether you're a beginner or you're an Olympian. Uh, if you've got an open mind and you want to run in a beautiful place with other like-minded people, this is for you. Uh, we welcome you. For listening to this podcast, we want to offer you 10% off. So if you use discount code ASR10, that's ASR10, you can um, get 10% off your registration of this retreat. It will fill up. We want to keep the numbers small so that we can give the attention to each participant um, that signs up. So we hope to see you this spring at the Peak Run Performance Rocky Mountain Running Retreat. So once again, you can... um... You can listen to the Art and Science of Running podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, or essentially anywhere else where you can find podcasts. Uh, We'd really appreciate it if you would listen, rate, and review the show. Let us know how we're doing. Let your friends know uh, if a particular episode might interest them. Um, Please subscribe, and uh, this will help others hear about what uh, we're trying to share as, as a free resource to the world um, and if you want to follow us on social media we're on Facebook as Art and Science of Running um, there's, a, there's a page and a group so if you'd like to be part of the interacting with the group there's an Art and Science of Running group, it's, it's open to the public and that's where we'll we get some of these questions that we discuss um, in addition to just the work that we do day to day with athletes also, we're on Instagram and on Twitter. So if you just do a search for the Art and Science of Running, um, and then our website is artsciencerun.com. And uh, we're, we feel like there's a need for these t- conversations amongst ourselves, but also um, with some of the other experts that we're able to bring in. And so we welcome your questions and hope that these are helping. So- Yeah.